the Arab-dominated organization of petroleum exporting countries would end up imposing a total oil embargo on the United States and some European countries in 1973. The same year our next Hall of Famer was born. This organization is easily recognizable as the initials OPEC. In this episode, I'm going to tell you a similar story about a wide receiver that is just as polarizing as OPEC. And he was also famous for his initials, which were T.O. Welcome to the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. Your host is Arnie Chapman. Football is his passion, and he wants you to come along with him to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board his DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. This time as we step off our DeLorean, the date is December 7th, 1973, and we are in Alexander City, Alabama. And we are also in episode 5 of an 8-part series that is scheduled to release every single day up until August 4th, the day of entrainment where we are covering just some brief little mini-episodes, which is not covering everything, but we're talking little short tummy time, tea time kind of stories with your host, the Football History Dude, about the 2018 Hall of Fame class. But before we get started with this episode, I wanted to remind you to head to thefootballhistorydude.com for the show notes, and make sure you mash that little subscribe button on your podcast player choice so you get the hottest, freshest off the press episodes each and every week. I'd also appreciate an honest review of the show because it really helps me know well, what do I got to do? Where do I got to put my DeLorean? What date I got to send it to? And what direction should we be going with this show? And you can do that straight through your podcast player. But now, let us take this DeLorean to the road to El Dorado, which ends in the Hall of Fame. And you're like, what is he talking about? The reason for this is because Terrell, you know, T.O., his actual name is Terrell El Dorado Owens. Well, he's always been chasing after that gold. You can't blame a dude for living up to his birthright. And he has accomplished his goal from an individual perspective. He is being inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. And he was six foot four, 224 pounds. And this dude was just chiseled. And he was, well, still is, a physical specimen on which the league did not want to deal with. However, there were some situations going on. He was from a small little town. He had, you know, some things they were worried about. So he wasn't drafted until the third round, 89th overall by the San Francisco 49ers in the 1996 draft. So as with many other Hall of Famers who got drafted late, each and every single team can go ahead and walk the plank of shame and get pushed off the edge only to realize that, wait, everybody else is being pushed off the edge in this ocean too. And and, wow, we're all stuck here and that kind of thing. But finally, the 49ers stopped the bleeding. They took him where they would end up forming him on paper. This is possibly the greatest wide receiver duo of all time. Jerry Rice was getting a little bit older, but he was still Jerry Rice, the GOAT. So on the same field, you had to deal with Mr. Jerry Rice, the GOAT, and Terrell Owens, this physical specimen of which you can't put a person on him single-handedly and try to stop this guy. But like I said, there were kind of a few things that were factoring into why he went so late. He was drafted out of a little-known school called the University of Tennessee of Chattanooga. So it's understandable. But He's also known for his flamboyant touchdown dances, crazy off and on the field issues, and even now, taking his own path, he's decided to forego the enshrinement ceremony in Canton, Ohio this weekend. But on the field, there was no denying the impact that this dude had, and that he was one of the most productive receivers and just hardest working guys in the NFL. I mean, for instance, right now, 
He's 44 years old, and he just ran an unofficial 4-4-3 40-yard dash, and he's still trying to play in the CFL or NFL. Now, no NFL teams are really truly biting at this hook, but just, you know, training camp just started. Players go down all the time. Teams have to shake things up, not to mention PR stints and trying to sell more jerseys and everything. Just imagine, he gets inducted to the Hall of Fame, and then he goes and plays for an NFL team in a regular season game at the beginning of September. That would make him the only active Hall of Famer to play in an NFL game. That's just one more thing to put on his list of super freak, someone you can't stop, you know? And no, it's not quite the same thing, but it's like Rick James said, he's a super freak. He's super freaky. Wow. He would end up doing this for 15 seasons for multiple teams. But the most damage came when he was with the 49ers, then the Philadelphia Eagles, and later on with the Cowboys. But with the Eagles, we're bringing the super freak thing back, where he would end up having one of the most heroic games of all time period the end in a Super Bowl. And it wasn't necessarily like the stat lines or what he did. In the, it was what he did in the Super Bowl, but it was more so what led up to the Super Bowl. I mean, the Super Bowl could have ended up being his swan song, where it was like he was over. And the reason why it was so heroic was he broke his leg. And he had a torn ligament in his right ankle that required surgery seven weeks before the Super Bowl. Now, by all accounts, he should never have been able to play in the Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles that year. And in a previous episode, the first listener episode of the podcast, Anthony Collins gave you a breakdown of why he thought he was the greatest wide receiver of all time. And this is part of the story. So getting to the Super Bowl, leading up to it, doctors, they advised him against it, saying if he played, it was possible he would end his career. But he still went out and tried to help the team win that Super Bowl. Now, I know he does a lot of things that make you wonder about what's going on upstairs. But if you can put that aside, he was just a solid football player and wanted to win and one of the hardest, if not the hardest working athletes when it came to practice on the field and just putting his body into shape to be able to perform and get to the level that he had to to play. Which is the reason why he was able to recover so quickly and get into that Super Bowl where mere mortals would never have stood a chance. And what was even more impressive, even after he was told he should never play in this game, he ended up playing 62 of the 72 offensive snaps. He had nine catches on 14 targets for 122 yards, the most in the game. So yeah, a dude with a hobbled bum leg just went out and blew everybody away. Then he would become a free agent again, where he would have a three-year span for the Dallas Cowboys that also should never have happened for an individual that was that age. For his age 33, 34, and 35 years, his three-year average for his regular season stats were 1,196 yards and 12.7 touchdowns. And he even earned first-team All-Pro at the age of 34. So then that brings us up to his final statistics. His final stat line was 1,078 catches, 15,934 receiving yards, for 153 receiving touchdowns. So he is currently second all-time in yards and third in touchdowns. And some of the highlights that were brought up in his biography on the NFL's media site were he had 60 catches or more in all but three of his 15 seasons. And he went over 1,000 yards nine times in an 11-year span. He also had eight seasons with double-digit touchdowns. T.O. was voted to five All-Pro teams and six Pro Bowls. And just like in T.O. fashion, He will not have a traditional Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony. 
And here's the official statement that he released to describe his decision and when as such. As many of you know, I am forgoing the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Canton. After giving it much thought, I have realized just how much I want to celebrate what will inevitably be the best weekend of my life at a place that means so much to me. I have decided to give my Hall of Fame speech at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga in McKenzie Stadium on Saturday, August 4th. The event, which is free and open to the public, starts at 3.17 p.m. I'm proud to be a mock, and I'm honored to be able to share this experience with my family, friends, teammates, and fans at a place that provided me an opportunity beyond high school and where I truly began to find myself as an athlete. Thank you to everyone who has supported my celebration decision. I look forward to seeing you all in Chattanooga. Get your popcorn ready. Sincerely, Terrell Owens. And when he does do his speech, he's going to have former wide receiver coach from the 49ers, George Stewart, be his presenter. And that's a quick little brief recap of Terrell Owens' professional career. And now we get to go on to the defensive side of the ball. But I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of the Football History Dude and were able to gain some knowledge nuggets about one of the greatest and most polarizing wide receivers in league history. Tomorrow, I'm going to cover the career of Brian Dawkins. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Football History Dude. To make sure you're the first to get the next episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice and head on over to thefootballhistorydude.com for the show notes and more information on the history of the NFL. And remember, dudes, where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs>